thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, grab your word. We are in uh, a series called Experiencing God Together, and today we're looking at God's covenant relationship. Now, the word covenant is, you don't hear it a lot today. It's kind of Old Testament. One of the things that, I'm con- that concerns me about the church of today is that we've gotten, I think, too far from the Old Testament in this grace age. And so there's a lot of great truths in the Old Testament. And, you know, last time I checked, the Old Testament's part of the Bible too. And so I don't want to get too far away from that because I think there's some great, great, great truths that are found in the Old Testament that he again will mention in the New Testament. But if you don't know anything about the Old Testament, you're lost in the New Testament. Does that make sense? Is somebody I've been there? Is somebody y'all like, yeah, I've been there before. So what we're going to do, we're going to unpack that today. We're going to look at the word covenant and what that means to us. So I want you to go to Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I am going to begin in verse 8. Deuteronomy 7, 8. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out, of his, out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to thousands of generations for those who love him and keep his commands. But those who hate him will be repaid to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Verse 11, therefore, take care and follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. And you're like, whoo, yeah, whoo, okay? Here's a simple deal. There is a covenant between God and his people that was established thousands of years ago that is still evident and prevalent today. And my friends, if we stay in and under the covenant, we are blessed. When you get outside of that, you're in trouble. And I'm going to say something to you, and I never want to use this platform as political. But this country, if you go back to its founding, mm, dude, they took an oath to the word of God. And they established this country on the word. And I know that some people say, well, it's a little restricting today. No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm telling you, you better get back under that as a country or we're going to be in trouble. You start seeing it kind of trickle out and you see destruction. And I'm going to tell you, we're held accountable for the oath and covenant that we are in. And we will, there will be a payday, okay, for us as individuals and us as a country and anybody that takes the oath. But we're in a covenant. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior and Lord, you're in that covenant relationship this morning. I promise you. I have a buddy of mine years ago, probably uh, eight years ago. Um, we, I, I baptized the guy. I know he is a believer, and he used to be in one of our churches that we served in. And for a while there, I didn't see him, so I hooked up with him, and we did a breakfast together. And I, and he was talking, and I simply said over breakfast, I said, "Hey, man, I, I, I've missed you lately. I haven't seen you in a while." Yeah. Okay, I was looking for a little longer answer than that. All right, that's all he said. 
All right? And I said, so wait a minute, wait a minute. So tell me, man, how, what's, what's, how's your relationship with the Lord? Tell me what's going on in your life with God. Oh, I, 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 I tore that contract up. I said, excuse me? Because by then he's starting to mess with my breakfast. And so he said, I tore that contract up. I said, please explain that. He said, well, Jeff, here's the deal. I did this thing, this God thing, okay? And it wasn't working out. I kept disappointing him. He kept disappointing me. So I thought, well, why don't we just agree to disagree? So I tore the contract up. He doesn't mess with me. I don't mess with him. We're good to go. Now, there's very few times in life that a pastor can't speak. Very few times that somebody doesn't throw something at me and I'm, I'm good to go. Okay? I try to be ready in and out of season. But, dude, I don't think there was that season created. And I'm just going... I was afraid lightning was about to fry my egg right there. I mean, I'm like, what do you, you don't, you don't negotiate the terms in this relationship, and you don't decide when and when not to get out. You don't get out. You, you cannot become a free agent in God's army. You're on his team. You can't trade the jersey in. You can't decide, mm, can't keep up with that. No, it ain't going to happen. And that's what he said. I'm telling you, he said it like you and I would describe a cookout. He's just good with it. I'm fine. I just tore that contract up. And I, I mean, I, my heart broke for this dude, man. And we spent the rest of breakfast talking, and he walked out, and I, I haven't seen him since. I think about him a lot, pray for him, but I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is. But I want you to listen to what a covenant is in light of that. A covenant is a sacred pledge based on trust between two parties. A sacred pledge based on trust between two parties. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Melissa, will you come join me? What you see before you, it, sometimes in a wedding, you'll have, um, you'll have the, the wedding where the couple does communion. You'll have a wedding sometimes with a unity candle. This is called a salt covenant. This is Old Testament now, sometimes they use salt, sometimes they use grain, sometimes they use wheat. Now, what would happen here, there were two parties, and they would agree to do business together, or they would agree to have a relationship together. And they would make what is called in the Old Testament a salt covenant, meaning no two of these parties would ever decide from this moment on to ever go separately, ever, ever, Okay. Now, I want you to watch how this works. Each one would take their own salt, and at the same time, they would pour together. Now, I want you to see something. Can one party change their mind and try to get their salt back out? Can't be done, can it? Can't be done. You can't choose... Somewhere down the road, because it got rough, that I don't want to do this anymore. You could take that principle in marriage. Does it ever get tough in marriage? Oh, yeah. You take a man and you take a woman, and you put them in a house and say, y'all just jail real good together. <laughs> Whatever. That ain't easy. That's not easy. But here's the deal. Thank you, babe. That's the deal. When Melissa and I, in our little salt, don't jive... I can't go, it was mine. I'll tell you, I'm out of here. 
That's yours. That's mine. You, you, no. We can't do that. And when, when we're in a relationship with Jesus, let me say something to you. We died, dead, and we became alive in him. And we're under him, and we're covered by him. I'm going to say something to you. As a king's kid, you got a covering over you. And the greatest thing you can pray for your children is when they leave you and get out from under you, you say, God, may you cover them. Woo! You done sick the whole bunch of kick-butt angels over your kids. I'm sorry, kick-butt is not a seminary term. You will not. That's not going to help you in Fort Worth. But here's the deal. That's what, that's what you got. And see, what happened is when we get in a relationship, when we decide to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, when the Holy Spirit of God draws us and we pray and receive Christ and Christ comes in us, okay, and saves us, okay, and we're born again because of why? Because of he who is alive in us. We, in our old nature, die. We become new in Christ. We become a covenant together, me and God. So when I go, he goes. What I do, he does. What I say, mm, that must be what he says. Mm. Uh-oh. Now you're in my kitchen. So you're fine if you stay in the bedroom, but now you're in my kitchen. I'm just telling you, when he's in you, he is totally in you. This is not a negotiation term. You can't decide, well, that 100% of salt, I'm going to get about 50% out because that's about what I can do. Well, I'm so sorry that that's about all you can do. Maybe you need to get on your knees before God and ask him to help you do the other 50% and quit trying to dig your 50% out because you are all in, dude, and you represent him 24-7, 365, good day, bad day, good mood, bad mood, doesn't matter. Christianity and walking with Jesus is not a mood. Because some of y'all are like, I'm just having a bad day. No, a bad day was Calvary. Okay? That's a tough day. Yeah, it's not a good day for you, but you can still do better than what you're doing. Okay? Let's look at this salt covenant as we see it. And I don't want you to take your eyes. I'm going to turn this. Do not lose sight of that right there. Okay? Don't lose sight of that, okay? Let's look at look, three things. It's based on trust. Here's what happened. Me and Melissa decided together to trust each other, and we became one flesh. Trust. When you accepted Jesus Christ, your Savior, you put your what? Trust in him. Now, it says in here, all through Scripture, Jesus died in your place. If you will confess your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. It's where your mouth you, you confess, okay? It says that God died for everyone. He loves everyone. So you put your faith and your trust in the Bible. You put it in there. Because this thing is not even done yet. It's not done. It's not done. It won't be done until he parts the east sky and comes back here and establishes, okay, and gets us, all right? That's when it's done, all right? You, you, on trust, okay? Adam started this whole deal, beautiful creation, Adam and Eve. He made Adam. He said, hey, dude, here, here's all this stuff over here, gorgeous stuff. You can have all this. You can, you can play over here in this. It is beautiful. But you see this tree right here? Don't touch that tree. Don't touch that tree. Oh, man, that fruit is 
good looking on that tree. I know, but you've got all this over here. Just go play, have fun. That's what I made for you. Well, ah, that tree right there. Here comes it. Hey, dude, you know why he don't want you to get that tree? Because uh, you'll be like him. You'll be as smart as him. You have knowledge like him. You'll be God. Really? So he holding out on me? He's holding out on you, dude. He's holding out on you. He just don't want you to be like him. Well, what should I do? You should eat that apple. You take an apple. Eat it up. You be like God. And you take it and eat it, and boom, there you go. Done. Messed everything up because what happened then? Sin entered. Okay? Fear entered. Remember, they were naked. Didn't even know they were naked. Then they went through all these fig trees. All I can't. Don't see me. Don't look at me. And all this other stuff. And so all fear entered. Okay? Let me tell you what the opposite of faith is. Fear. I'm just telling you, when you get scared, you ain't got no faith. You ain't going to step. So fear enters. What breaks down after that? Trust. Trust. Somebody says, hey, dude, that deal you made with God, he's going to break that. He's going to break it. Really? Yeah, you can't trust God. Really? You can't? Hey, man, I'm going to tell you what he did to me. I, I started going to church. I started praying. God did this to me. Pfft, I'm done with God. And so they plant that in you. And then you just keep pondering on that. And God says, that's a lie. And the enemy says, no, it's not. It's the truth. I'm going to water that and see if it grows. And then the enemy starts watering it, and it grows. And become, you become fearful. And then you won't trust God. Why? Because you think because you were hatched, he's going to break his covenant with you? Dude, his covenant was long before you were ever hatched. He ain't going to break a covenant with you. Let me tell you, when you're in a covenant with God and God's covering us over you and you're in that covenant, you can trust him totally that every promise he put in this book will come true. It is yes and amen to everything. Because why? Because you are his child and he loves you. Don't walk around like you're not the child of the king. You are the child of the king. You're in a covenant relationship with him. Trust him, trust him, trust him, trust him. You say, well, I don't understand right now. Trust. Well, shouldn't he be here by now? Trust. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to. Trust. Well, I prayed about it. I have a Trust. Well, I don't see it yet. Trust. What well, hasn't happened yet? Trust. Quit trying to figure it out and let God be God and you be you. You make a real good you and he makes a real good God. Do not switch places. Trust him, trust him, trust him. And people say, God, where's your God at? He's a little late, isn't he? I mean, you remember Job, even his wife said, <laughs> you don't get it yet? He ain't coming. He don't care about you. You should cuss him. You should just cuss him and die. He said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Shabbat, Meshach, and Abednego. Where, hey, where's your God at? You're bow down and worship the king. Nope. Now, here's the deal. I know my God can, and even if he doesn't, I'm still not bowing my knee. Woo! Now, these are Old Testament. Why is that not in New Testament? Because we can learn from Old Testament. Come and tell you, Old Testament people have backbone. And one reason, you know how God showed up most of the time? By fire. That will give you backbone. <laughs> and I mean, he ain't coming in no donkey with something. Hey, what y'all doing? Waving palm branches. I'm not making a lie of that, but I'm telling you, you see God, you see Jesus in the New Testament, it's all sweet. You see God in the Old Testament. <laughs> hey, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Okay. Make sure y'all don't have any sin in your life. Okay. That dude got sin. <laughs> oh, he's good now. 
I mean, he just torched, burned dude up. Hey, where's so-and-so? I don't know, man. He's gone. Well, didn't he come? He came. Where'd he go? I don't know. Must be sin in the camp. We don't have no sin in the camp now. Let's have church. I mean, that's, I'm not trying to make light, but God's just different in the Old Testament. And they feared him, man. You're in a relationship, a covenant with God. Trust that covenant. He hasn't broken that covenant once, and he will never break it, my friend, never. So here's the big question for you this morning. Do you trust God? Well, yes. No, I'm sorry. It's Sunday morning. That's probably better asked Thursday morning. But I'm going to say it again. I know you're in church, and I know we had awesome worship, and we're in the presence of the king, and you're thinking, I can't lie in church. But, but I'm asking you, do you trust him? Because some of y'all looking at me really don't trust him. That's why you're always in control. That's why you're a control freak. And if you don't think you are, ask your kids. I'm sorry. That can go for mom and dad. We tell our kids to trust God, and then we do everything for God right in front of them. Well, mom and dad, shouldn't we wait on God? Wait, get in the car. We don't wait on God. Let's go. What? And we don't make any sense to them. Do you trust God? You're either in the covenant or you're not in the covenant. And if you're in the covenant, it is built on trust. Period. Trust. You wait, for I'm about to see the goodness of the Lord. Come on, man. Trust. Second, it's received through faith. We are in this covenant by faith. I want you to go to Hebrews. I got so much scripture, I don't even know if I'm going to get to it. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews 11. Right before James, you need some help. Hebrews 11, 6. Hebrews eleven six And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This covenant comes by faith. It's in faith. It was established before we were ever here, and it was established for us to be in. He sent his son. To die so we wouldn't have to. To do what? To give us a relationship with Jesus through faith to God. He intercedes on our behalf. Through faith, he does this. We get in this covenant with God through salvation. So if you're here today and you say, Jeff, I remember when I got saved. I remember when I gave my life to Christ. I remember when I invited Jesus into my life. I remember that. Good. Because of that, you're in a covenant with him. You're in a relationship with Jesus, okay? And then we, in, that, in that relationship with Jesus, you follow salvation with baptism. Baptism is simply the first step of obedience, okay? If you've ever played baseball, in order to get to second, you must touch first. And if you miss first, you will be called out. Sorry, okay? There's no shortcuts. You can't hit the ball, run through the pitcher's mound, go to second base. Woohoo, double. Now nah, you missed the base. You have to go to first base, okay? And the first step of obedience after salvation is baptism. And in baptism, you see the symbolism 
of the, the covenant relationship with Jesus, that Jesus was baptized. Remember John the Baptist? He didn't even know him. Didn't even know Jesus. Hadn't even met Jesus. John the Baptist baptizing people. John the Baptist and Jesus' mom, they knew each other, but John the Baptist and Jesus, they didn't know each other. John the Baptist down there baptizing, all of a sudden he goes, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away our sins. Woo! I'm just going to tell you right now, that was some cool baptism scene. All right? He didn't even know who he was, and he recognized him as the Lamb of God that takes away our sins. Because you cannot kill and sacrifice an unclean animal, a, a horse or something like that. It's got to be a clean animal, and a lamb was spotless. It was clean, and that was what was sacrificed. And he saw him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Oh, man, that's sweet. And so his baptism Jesus said that you are buried in Christ in baptism. You are raised to walk in what? Newness of life. A new life in Christ. And a new covenant with him. Meaning, the symbolism is that you were buried in your old sins and the water cleanses you. So when you come up out of the water, you're clean and new. It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection in two weeks that we're going to experience at Easter. It's the resurrection in baptism. It's a beautiful scene. Okay? You see it in that. You see the salvation. You see baptism. You see the relationship we have with Jesus. Okay? You see it in communion. Next week, we will take communion, Palm Sunday. It's, it's the bread and the, and, the, and, the, and the wine or the juice that represents his blood. That is entering in. When we enter in the communion, we're entering into the covenant. We're doing the covenant. We're saying, I take this bread because it represents your body. I know that because your body died on the cross for me, and I accepted your death on the cross, and now I'm saved. I take this juice. Why? Because it symbolizes the blood that cleanses me from all my sins. And I take this juice because it represents that, and it's a symbolism of that, and I recognize that because I'm in that covenant. I'm not taking it out of fellowship with you. I'm in fellowship with you, so I can take that because I'm in a covenant with you. You see what it does? And so that's the covenant relationship. We also see it in church membership. When people join a church, they say, I know that this church right here, or a church, is the church of Christ. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's the church that Jesus died for. He's coming back to. Right? This is where I feel like is my home church. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. You enter into a covenant. That's why church membership and church attendance is a big deal. Not just to the preacher, but to Jesus. Because he died for the church, and he's coming back for the church. And when we are part of the body of Christ, we are acting out the covenant every time we meet. Every time we meet. And so that's why it's so important to him. Yeah, you will miss Sundays. But man, if you can get here, get here. Amen? And make sure everybody else gets here. Okay? In John's gospel, in, 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 in chapter 10, he's talking about sheep know my voice. And he's talking about that relationship. He says that I'm the gate, and you don't enter in by any other way. You climb it over the walls, meh, you ain't doing that. Okay, you ain't going to get a ladder. Nope, that's not happening. You come through the gate, you come through Jesus. All right? He says, I am the way you get in. The thief comes to kill and kill and destroy, but I've come to give them life and give it to them more abundantly. And I, I speak to them, and they know my voice. So if you know the voice of the Lord today, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. You recognize the voice. You know it's his voice, and you follow him. If you say, well, I've never heard God speak to me, but I'm saved, mm. I'm going to have a hard time with that. Because I'm going to tell you, 
I could holler at Nellie or Brett, and they'd come. They'd know my voice. We were at the University of Texas last, last weekend, and Brett is 24,000 people in the stadium. And Brett's headed this way, and, and Melissa and I are up there at the top. And I needed to get Brett's attention. And I simply said one time, Melissa can testify, I said, Brett. Now, there's a lot of voices. That big old cat said, hmm. <laughs> Didn't you, Brett? Did I holler twice? No, I hollered one time, all right? And I wouldn't lie because he's bigger than me. He might break me. But I'm telling you, I hollered at him one time. And he heard it, turned around, came back up the stairs. Now, part of me hollering was I didn't want to go down and up. So it's a little bit easier for old man to holler at young man to come down and up. So I had a lot in this. He did too, okay? So here's the deal. Why does he know my voice? Because I'm his daddy. Your kids ever say, I didn't even hear you. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I love those kids. But, but it, that's a lie. We hear what we want to hear. And I'm not talking about husbands here. I'm just saying we, I'll just go ahead and cover everybody today. What the heck? We hear that. We know that voice. Okay? It's the same thing if you're a child of the king. When the king says your name, mm, it drowned out everything else. You know that voice. You, you will. Why? Because I'm in a covenant relationship with that guy, with the king of kings. Man, he's my father, my daddy, my Abba father. When he speaks, I know it. Brett and Nellie know our voice. Why? Because Melissa and I in a covenant relationship together also. Right there. He ain't going to either one of these jars ever again. Just like that till we see Jesus. Just like that. So what comes from us knows our voice. Knows our voice. Today, simply ask you, you know his voice? There's a lot of names in here. You hear me pray us all the time. Of all the names in here, God, speak our name. I say that for a very big reason. Because I want to train you as sheep to hear the shepherd. Because if you can hear it in church, <laughs> you will hear it out there. You'll recognize it out there. In a crowd of voices hollering for you, death and destruction, you'll hear who? you hear the king say, uh-uh, don't go over there. Don't do that. Mm-mm, don't do that. When teenagers leave mom and dad's presence, they never leave his presence. And when they know the voice of the king, and the voice of the king out there says, don't get in that car. Don't you go there. Don't go back there. Don't go over there. They don't need mom and dad to call them and tell them that. They can hear the king's voice because the king's kids, and they will go a separate way, and they will be protected. Let me say something to you. We're in a covenant here, big-time covenant. It cost him his life. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Last thing. It reveals his purpose. In that covenant relationship, that's built on trust that we step out in and get into by faith, when we're in those, when we're in that covenant, when we've done those two actions, he reveals his purpose to us. Okay? Beautiful purpose. Look at Isaiah 54. Beautiful promise from the Old Testament here. Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Um, I was looking for the text. I didn't even write it down. Uh, Isaiah 54, 8. Okay? 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me say something to you. We can think we know his purpose, but we really don't know his purpose. First purpose of the Father is that everyone shall get saved. It says that my purpose is that no one shall, shall perish. No one. No one should perish. I want you to look over a little bit to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Look at verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. A lot of us have this somewhere in our house or car or somewhere in our desk at our office. But I think we can't read 11 without reading 12 and 13. So we're going to do that. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's just good, isn't it? We just stop right there. That'd be awesome, man. Let's just go have fun. That's what he's going to do anyway. But, but it does come with something. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. My friends, in a covenant relationship, he wants you to know his purpose for your life. As a pastor, I know I'm, I am in his purpose. This is his purpose for me, to pastor this church. But it's not the only purpose I have. So when I am out away from this church, there are divine encounters that God is setting up for me. There are people in my path. And people that cut me off on culture. And there are people that I see. And there are truckers that won't let me on I-40. Okay? And I can curse them or I can pray for them. Okay? There, there are people that I know I'm, I'm supposed to have contact with. I pick a line at Walmart or I pick an aisle at Walmart. And I bump into people and I meet people. And sometimes little old ladies want me to get a six-pack of beer off the top rack for them. That's okay. I'm good. I'm there for a purpose. I'll help that 90-year-old woman before she drops all six on her head and knocks herself out. So I take them off. I put them in her basket. She says, thank you, sonny. I said, you're welcome, ma'am. I start to walk off and she said, excuse me, excuse me. Can you get me one more? You go, girl. You just, you just go. So I got her another six-pack. And she just dollied on down that aisle like she did. So you say, that ain't about God. It's not. God didn't get nobody no six-pack. You turn water into wine, you, you can call it Kool-Aid if you want to to make your Baptist feel better. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's wine. I know some of y'all are like, I'm, I'm getting him after sir. That's it. That's it. That's it. Right, here's the deal, though. Every encounter we have is divinely appointed by God, good or bad. Are you fulfilling your purpose here? You say, well, my purpose is to be a mom and get my kids to school on time. Good. But how many moms are around you during all that? How many moms, how many kids of other moms need to see the way you love and hug and treat your children? My job is to work. I tell people what to do. All right, that's good. But do that in honor, in honor to God doing that. And then when you get in your relationship with Jesus, quit telling him what to do. Management is only management at the workplace. 
not in your relationship with Jesus. You become the slave and the servant. And some of us have told people too long what to do. Now God's trying to tell us what to do, and we don't, we don't submit to that. There's a purpose that you find in that covenant. The children of Israel, they found that. They walked with God. Okay? Moses, same thing. In that covenant, he knew it. What is your purpose today? Are you walking in that purpose? Are you? If God's given you people that work around you, what are you doing with the people besides giving them a paycheck? Are you investing in them? Are you looking at them from an eternal value? I wonder if they're saved. I wonder if they have a relationship with Jesus. I wonder if they need prayer. I wonder what they need. Are you? Because I think we think small sometimes. We come to church and we sing about an awesome God who's huge and big and monster God. And then we go out there and we just live in our little rat tunnels. And wherever the cheese is, we run after it. My friends, there's a big old world out there. And God put you out there and he put people to come in contact with you. Even in bad times, man. Even in bad times. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. I want you to read I want one more scripture for you. And then I'm going to let you get out of this place. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to listen to this covenant talk right here. I'm going to tell you, this right here is the covenant. Listen to this scripture right here and read it and hear it in this context, okay? This is you in this covenant relationship, okay? Ephesians 1, look at verse 11. I want you to see, just look at how it starts. In him. In him. Who's the him? It's Jesus. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Listen to verse 12. In order that we who were first in hope in Christ might be for the praise and glory. And you also were included where? In Christ, in the covenant. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the praise and glory. You are in him, a deposit of the Holy Spirit in you when you got saved, that deposit guaranteeing your inheritance where? In heaven. Right there. You're in Him. He's in you and you're in Him. Dude, you cannot change your mind. You're either in or you're not in. I'm, I'm, that's just bottom line. And you can't renegotiate this. You can't change your mind. You can't come with your own terms. You are in Him. In Him. You trust in Him. You have faith in Him. He has a purpose in you because He's in you and you're in Him. You cannot separate your grains, your, your salt, your rice back out again. You cannot ever become separate again. Never. 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 But my friends, 
when you're in this, there is tremendous confidence. Tremendous confidence. Today, are you confident in him? Are you? If you know him, and he knows you, and he lives in you, and you got a deposit guarantee in your inheritance to the king, oh, dude, walk and live with purpose and power. Walk and live in purpose and in power this morning. As we come to a time of invitation, people say all the time, man, your church is cool. And I said, our church is cool. Our church is simple. We worship. Woo! Do we ever worship? And we preach the word. And then we have an opportunity to pray for each other. Now, invitation sometimes in church becomes only a time for people that want to get saved and want to join the church. And we just watch. Because if we're already saved and we're already a church member, we just watch. No. Wrong. Invitation is a time for you and me in a covenant relationship with the king. As he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, which is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance in our life, he speaks to us. It is our time at invitation, his invite for us to come and meet and do business with him. You say, well, why do I got to come to the front? Because the act of getting up and coming down an aisle is healing alone. It is. I promise you. The act of doing it is a surrenderance. It's a mark of surrendering. It's a mark that says, dude, you're the boss. I'm in your covenant. You're God. I'm not. We simply have people down here to pray for you for a very simple reason. Scripture says there's power in agreement. and We want to agree with you, lay hands on you, and pray with you. We want to partner with you to see God do what you need Him to do. That's what that simply is. So this morning, if you forever in your life have been taught that invitation is for people that want to get saved or join the church, may you be redeemed and healed today. Okay? Because it is more than that. It is a time for you who've met with the king to respond to the king. Simply. So this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to stand. And you're going to have an opportunity. And I don't want you to think, well, if the preacher just said that and I don't move, he thinks I'm just sorry, terrible person. No. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not guilting you to do that. I'm giving you freedom to do it if God moves. Okay? That's all I'm doing. Because sometimes I think the church has not been given freedom to respond openly in church. You can respond openly in church because if you're not going to respond openly in church, you're not going to respond openly to church to God out there. And so this morning, if you need to come to the altar of the Lord and just say, God, I've not really done a good job in this covenant. I know I'm in it, but I've not done a good job. I don't trust you. I just want to tell you that. I could have told you where, that where I'm seated, but I really need to walk up here and tell you that. Because as I walked up here to tell you that, I died on the way. I died on the way. I need to come up here and tell you I don't have faith in you. I have faith in you when I got saved, but I don't have faith in you. I'm scared to death. And I think God's telling me to do something, and I don't want to do it. 
And maybe you coming up here is the faith that you needed to exercise to do that. So be free this morning to move and do what God told you to do. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we have heard your word. We have been in your presence. And now, Father, by your Holy Spirit, we have been given an invite, an invitation to come and meet with you. And God, I pray that you would move us. Maybe there's someone here today that says, Jeff, the bottom line is I thought I was in a covenant when I walked in, but now I know I'm not in that covenant relationship with you. I don't know Jesus. I just play church. That's all I do. And maybe this morning you want to come and die so you can live and give your life to Christ. Maybe this morning there's a family here looking for a church home. Another step in the covenant is finding a church home. And I pray you lead them here this morning. Or maybe you just need to move us in a certain area in this covenant relationship. God, move us today. Don't let us stay put if you say go. And so God, help us to be obedient. For on the other side of obedience, it's always blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you to stay in church. If you want to come for any reason, please do so.